Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour. Happy Friday. All right, Friday. Yes. Yeah, it's Friday when they're going to be hearing this show. You're right. It may or may <laughs> not be Friday right now, but it's Friday when they're going to be hearing the show because Sex and Science Hour drops every Friday night. That's right. Right? And we've been consistent about it. We're on season two. We had a little hiatus there between season one and two, but I think we've been pretty good about um, keeping consistent with releasing every Friday. Yeah, sometimes it's like Pacific time sometimes Friday. Sometimes it's but... <laughs> like, you know, pretty late on Friday, but you know, we, we get the show out. And then so first thing Saturday morning when you woke up after your drunken debauchery the night before, after hitting the bars. That's right. Or maybe doing your homework or something <laughs> lame like that. Yeah. Uh, both are, you well, get whatever. sex and science hour in your ears to listen to. That's right. But anyway, Brian, um, you know, sometimes sometimes I see something that makes me just want to zoom out and think about the bigger picture. When I have little complaints about my life, when I feel stressed out or something, I just think, you know, it's nothing compared to the fact that there could be pyramids on Antarctica and we might not what? even know about it. You mean and there like might in- be a frozen civilization on Antarctica because the axis of the earth may have shifted at some point in the past. And there might be lost civilizations that are over 10,000 years old, perfectly preserved in ice. Advanced humans. Is this like... Did you watch Stargate or something? Like, <laughs> no, actually, I've been watching Ancient Aliens with you. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to admit that because when people, when you tell somebody who is like prides themselves on being a rational thinker that you've been watching Ancient Aliens, they mm-hmm. look at you like you're nuts. <laughs> like yeah, see, you have three heads, right? You know, yeah, I, you're right. But you know what? Honestly, like if somebody said to me they watch Game of Thrones, I'd give them that look. It's like, well, are you serious? You <laughs> or watch Doctor that Who. trash? There's other shows that you, you're not a big fan of. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, it, like it blows my mind that people watch that stuff. So, I mean, I just give them looks right back. You just insulted back. like half of our listener base. Oh, I'm sure it's we more than probably half. probably try to tone that down. Yeah. Brian, well, but... good, good call. <laughs> but anyway, what do you think about that idea? Because the, so Ancient Aliens, you know... I'm definitely not saying I believe what's on the show. You're not saying it's aliens. I'm not saying it's aliens, (laughs) but it's aliens. No, I'm just kidding. I I really, I think most of what's on that show is complete bullshit, but it's so entertaining (laughs) that I just love to watch it. So I watch it more for the entertainment value. But 
you know, sometimes they'll bring up a good point about like an unsolved mystery. I don't immediately jump to aliens or something like that. But could there be human civilizations that are older than 10,000 years that we don't have much information about? Yeah, sure. Are there lost civilizations? Yeah, probably. Well, there's some interesting possibility. I mean, the thing with that show is that, and we can talk more specifically about pyramids on Antarctica if you want. Um, oh, that's where I was going. Sorry. Let me just finish. Yeah, the thought please. And then you can jump back in. So. With every time it seems like ancient aliens jumps the shark, right? It's jumped the shark so many times. I mean, yeah. just get out that thing with the Simpsons where he's water skiing over the shark, right? Like it's jumped the it's jumped the shark so many times. And they'll get to the end of a season and they'll have like just a terrible episode that is just even more bullshit than normal. Mm-hmm. And then they'll take a break and then they'll come back and they'll have something that's like actually pretty good. And this was one of those times where they came back and it was actually pretty good, where they were saying they, they were basically making a case that at one time in the past, Antarctica may not have been so frozen over. Well, for certain it wasn't. Uh, for certain it wasn't. Right. Yeah. It may not have been covered in ice. And there's like three miles thick of ice there right now. Mm-hmm. And there's things that <laughs> I don't know how how accurate this is, but they basically had this this guy that was like, I'm an amateur researcher. And he goes on Google Earth and he looks at pictures of Antarctica and he's oh. like, look there, that's a pyramid. <laughs> yeah, that... that wasn't the only evidence. But there's these things in Antarctica that look kind of like they might not be natural mountains. They might mm-hmm. actually be like they're a little too square. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, the, and there are pyramids all over the world, right? Yes. In every continent, there are pyramids. Yeah. Why are they there? Various well, reasons we don't really know, but why maybe there are pyramids on Antarctica too? Well, I think, I mean, the appeal of ancient aliens is that, like, if it was just pure bullshit, I mean, like, nobody, <laughs> nobody, I don't think much of anybody would watch it. I mean, yeah, there'd be If it was fiction, some... yeah, like, anybody can make up fiction, right? Well, but, like, or it's based the, on some things that if, are... Yeah, if they didn't have something, like, it would, yeah. <laughs> it, it would be problematic. But they, they bring up sometimes, and it's rare, but sometimes they bring up some genuine mysteries, like things that, that don't make sense or, mm-hmm. or things that are, hey, what the hell is that? Uh, and so that that's that's where the appeal comes from. Um, and one of the things that a lot of people bring up are that there are maps. The Piri Reis map is probably the most famous by name. And these yeah. are these are maps from oftentimes previous, right? Well, previous to the 17th century, right. regardless of when that is. And the 17th century is largely when people started, or well, maybe a little before that is when they started looking into. You know, I mean, there was a time where they thought that. You know, South America. I mean, and this is a pop. You, you got to understand this: that the popular idea of the day, even after these maps were made, um, was that S- South America and Australia both connected to Antarctica. But these maps, much older than that idea, show that they're not. So, I mean, like the notion comes from. So, where the fuck did these people get this knowledge? Or you know, with these map makers, you know, how did they figure out how to, how to do that? You know, how did these cartographers get all that together? Uh, so you know, there's a genuine mystery there. Um, and then people want to take it a little bit farther. Now you got to be careful with. There's guys like there's a guy, uh, uh, Richard Hoagland. He did the face on Mars in the '90s, um, and he's notorious for. You know, he claims like he has this one book. It's actually a very interesting read. But it's called Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA. And in that he shows Mike Barra, who's who's often on Ancient Aliens, actually co-wrote it with him. And then they 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 separated ways. But he claims that there's these all these different art, all these different shapes. And there's pyramids. There's an entire destroyed city and all this stuff on Mars. And you look at the pictures and you just go, no, 
you know, none of this. <laughs> that's is, an overactive yeah, imagination, right? <laughs> right. It's like that. That's just that's not so. Um, but the idea that there's pyramids on there, the idea that there is that there were perhaps some kind of lost civilization on Antarctica. I mean, you don't need ancient aliens for that. There's a great book. I love this book. You're, you're not going to find it in a digital format. I have a copy. Uh, and it was, it used to be a very expensive book because it came from a publisher that did like these premier editions of books and it's called out of Antarctica. It's by Robert Argod. And in that he talks about like a bunch of different cultures, <laughs> Polynesians, all this different stuff. Is that well, like where the white people came from? No, out of no, no. Antarctica? Like, cause there's out of Africa, right? That's where the black people came from. And well, right. Yeah. The white people came from Antarctica. Yeah. He's Makes perfect sense. Yeah. He's definitely playing off of that riff. <laughs> um, but he's talking about like the Southeast, uh, you know, like Islanders and all this, you know, Polynesians and all these different groups, how they talk about that. They came from a land that got frozen over, you know, that originally wasn't, but that they got on their boats and they went off. And it is. It, yeah. yeah, that is actually very interesting. And right. they, they they actually laid out a case of like how that could happen. Like if there was some event unknown what it would be, but something that caused basically the core of the Earth to shift so that the Earth's axis shifted. It could literally be a, a continent could be covered in ice. Yeah. Within a matter of hours, right? Yeah, I mean, and you have you have some I, I don't know that they're necessarily mainstream, but they're not like. They're not ancient alien type scientists. Uh, so at least I guess you could say they're a little more legit. Um, but they, <laughs> not that, I mean, sometimes ancient aliens get some legit scientists on there, yeah. but there are those. That that's, one guy, the physicist from UCSD. Or yeah, something. I forget yeah. His, his name, but even he's a little, I think he's Christian. So he's not totally. No way. Yeah, I think he's so. so scient- he never says anything about aliens. Yeah. Well, how he got on the show anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. But, um, but uh, anyway, with the, with, well, where was I? Um, there's scientists, mainstream oh, scientists yeah, that say that, you know, we're still technically in like, we're still in an ice age that because Antarctica has ice on it, that technically means we're still in an ice age. So, huh. I mean, you don't need a shifting axis, you know, for, for this sort of thing to happen. Uh, all you need yeah, you is just, just like shifting definitions of what an ice age is. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a, sh- I agree. It is kind of a shift from what gets used normally. Um, but my point is, is that the idea that there are humans on Antarctica and that there was some kind of civilization it doesn't have to be advanced. That's a whole other conversation uh, is not crazy. Like there's, there's a lot of very independent research done by very, for lack of a better word, legitimate uh, researchers. I thought it was pretty interesting. And actually this goes with this other article that I just saw from live science. Did you know, Brian, that there's people who want to bring back the woolly mammoth? They're, oh. they're using CRISPR, which we've talked about to insert mammoth genes that they got because they found frozen woolly mammoths with blood that came out when they thawed them out. Right. Well, th- this is a, here's a really quick, important like factoid. Mm-hmm. The woolly mammoth. Most people think of them as like almost uh, either co-inhabitors or just slightly successors to the dinosaurs. Yeah. They only died off like like six thousand years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Actually, this article says thirty six hundred years ago. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. Not it's very even long shorter. Ago. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think what they want to do, I, I remember something about this article. I might have even talked about it on Sovereign I think Tech you may bit. have sent it to me, yeah. So what they want to do is they want to take some of these genes, kind of like Jurassic Park. What could go wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like where they took the frog genes and filled in the gaps in the dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, they want to take an elephant genome and they want to put woolly mammoth genes for small ears, subcutaneous fat, hair length and color into elephant skin cells. Yeah, to allow for like elephants that can handle cold weather. 
Like, um, I, I, thought I think that it's was... just basically they're calling it de-extinction, like basically just to bring back the biodiversity of the woolly mammoth. OK. All right. Yeah, I've heard that that there's people that want to create like cold weather elephants as well. I but... mean, that would be useful because elephants are very intelligent animals. They could probably Extremely. do a lot of work, you know. Yeah. Maybe not that they want to be made into slaves, but, you right. know, um, if it brings them back, it might be pretty cool. So I I, for one, welcome our mammoth overlords. Um I think this is really cool. And I also like the idea, what if Antarctica thaws out in our lifetime and we discover stuff there that we never knew about? I what if it was Atlantis? What if, it, what if that's Atlantis? <laughs> we like to dream big here on Sex and Science Hour, right? That's right. <laughs> no, uh, no question is too crazy for us to explore. <laughs> I needed an opener for this week. What can I say? <laughs> it was a great opener. <laughs> well, hopefully you thought so too. Coming up, we're going to bring it back to reality and talk about how you can distinguish real science from fake science. This will come in handy when you're watching Ancient Aliens. More coming up. This is Sex and Science Hour. How do you tell real science from fake science, Brian? You know, well, when I want to know about that, I don't go go to uh, AAAS or Nature Magazine or Cell. I ask Forbes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually an article in Forbes, but I thought it was pretty decent for Forbes for a okay. business magazine. Well, you know, before we get into the real science, yeah. like could I, could I, could I finish up a little comment on the woolly mammoth coming back? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, I think because before we get emails about this cuz I could see them coming. <laughs> All right. Cuz there is the very real concern of like sometimes when species, you know, most of the most of these species that have inhabited the earth you know, 99% of them have gone extinct and they went extinct. I mean, I'm kind of making up a little bit of percentages there, uh, but most of them went extinct before, you know, humans were really on the map. Okay. Okay. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like, like most species that have inhabited, I mean, went extinct long before we could well, even. Well, most species are insects, period. Insects well, that's have the a most fair point. biodiversity of, or the most species of any. Right. Whatever genera or. Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of people would bring up the very valid concern, most of the time it's valid, that what, ha you know, sometimes things go extinct for a good reason. Like evolution took it out for the right reason. And <laughs> you mean like the Blackberry? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but what happens when you reintroduce something, you know, into a world that it, it didn't, you know, didn't get time to adapt to? Uh, but I, I think with the woolly mammoths, because some people would bring that up, I don't think that's true for the woolly mammoth, because I think the woolly mammoth died. Uh, because, like, it, I think if I remember right, it died on one last island, and it ran off to that island because it was being hunted by humans. Aw, the poor mammoth. Okay? Which is so fine. Sad. I mean, humans need to eat, you know. But the point being is that it didn't, like, you know, it, it didn't run through the Alvarez hypothesis. I mean, yeah. it didn't have a problem. Like, it, it's still a very recent animal, so I don't think there's any harm in bringing it back. You think it was a mistake that it went out? You well, think it's good to bring it back? Yeah, I, I don't think there. I don't think there would be an issue where it would, uh, you know, reintroduce some kind of like disease or problem or you know some kind of a uh, uh, like ecological disaster. I mean, it would actually it have back. a lot of elephant genes. It would be kind of like an elephant mammoth hybrid. Sure, because you can't fully reconstruct the mammoth genome. Yeah, you don't have the whole thing or something, but. Yeah, there's no living ones to really reproduce in, but right. I mean, because I worry, yeah. you know, when when because like there's that guy that wants to bring back Neanderthals, and oh yeah, that's right, right. And when you bring back Neanderthals, like I I wonder if that's almost cruelty because you're bringing it back into a into a world that is so alien, so so strange, so different, and perhaps alone 
with no other Neanderthals for it to interact with. Couldn't uh, like, you say the same thing about humans, though? We're being born into a world that we did not evolve in. Right? Well, yeah, we've been we've been working on it's it. Though. So and weird it's so weird. It's to our be own like, creation too. That's very different. To like pay taxes and do things oh, like that. Well, that's for sure. I yeah. mean, that's just cruel. No, I well, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I agree like, with that. But the thing is, like, hominids are adaptable, right? They can adapt to a lot of different environments. So, wouldn't a Neanderthal just adapt? It would be like that would be, be the so only thing al- it ever knew. It doesn't have a genetic memory of like living in a cave. Yeah, but, but it's true that it would be alone. That it'd would be suck, very alone. I don't I, know how social they were. Well, right. But I I don't know. I I, I think that the, it's I could understand the case for not wanting to bring Neanderthals back. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, but, but I think bringing a mammoth, back, you think it would be OK. I think it'd be totally fine because <laughs> the world hasn't like changed really that much, you know, from what it knew. And it didn't die off because of, you know, some disease or something. It died off probably because of just, you know, rampant hunting, which it, I'm, I'm not, I mean. Humans were hungry. It is what it is. Anyway, so how do I know real science? Because, I mean, holy shit, I could have made all that up. You could have. So, okay, (laughs) we're we're going to Emily Willingham from Forbes. Um, Pseudoscience, she says, is the shaky foundation of practices often medically related that lack a basis in evidence. It's fake science dressed up, sometimes quite carefully, to look like the real thing. If you're alive, you've encountered it. Whether it was the guy at the mall trying to sell you power balance bracelets. Oh, God, have you ever seen those oh, like magnetic bracelets? That yeah, or the chi? holographic ones. <laughs> the shampoo commercial promising you that amino acids will make your hair shiny. Bullshit, because hair is dead protein. <laughs> or the peddlers of natural... You don't even use shampoo, right? I don't. I don't use right shampoo. On. I do use conditioner. I mean, maybe amino acids could, because, you know, the hair, even though it's made at, made out of dead cells, mm-hmm. you know, some amino acids, like, adjust the pH. So, like, you know, glycine is sometimes used as a buffering agent. I don't know. I mean, it it could be true that amino acids will make your hair shiny, but probably not in the way that people are thinking, because they're thinking that it feeds the hair and it doesn't feed the hair because the hair is not alive. There's stem cells at the at the root in your scalp, but not at the ends of the hair. Anyway, your hair is very alive. It is stunning. Thank you. I just gave myself a trim. Absolutely. Uh, With the Crea Clip, cool product. (laughs) stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Um, Anyway, or the peddlers of natural remedies, quote-unquote, or fad diet plans, who in a classic expansion of a basic tenet of advertising make you think you have a problem so that they can sell you something to solve it. Pseudoscience are usually pseudosciences are usually pretty easily identified by their emphasis on confirmation over refutation, on physically impossible claims, and on terms charged with emotion or false scienciness, which is kind of like truthiness minus the Stephen Colbert. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes what peddlers of pseudoscience say may have a kernel of real truth that makes it seem plausible, but even that kernel is typically at most a half-truth, and often it's that other half that they're leaving out that makes what they're selling pointless and ineffectual. (laughs) Sounds like ancient aliens. All right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But some are just nonsense out of the gate. I'd love to have some magic cream that would melt away fat or make wrinkles disappear, but how likely is it that such a thing would be available only via late-night commercials? Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What science consumers need is a cheat sheet for people of sound mind to use when considering a book, product, therapy, or a remedy. Below are the top 10 questions you should ask yourself and answer before shelling out the Benjamins for anything, whether it's an anti-aging cream, a fad diet program, books purporting to tell you secrets your doctor won't or jewelry items containing magnets now is she referencing that book by kevin what's his face kevin trudeau that yeah that got banned 
Right. Remember that? Yeah. What stuff, was the, what yeah. Was the things title doctors won't tell you. Yeah. Or something like he ri- he's written. That a bunch was a of banned them. book. Yes. You could buy it on the Silk Road, right? <laughs> yeah. He like he, I remember he was even on Alex Jones. Um, because like it was, you know, I mean, granted that's where a conspiracy theorist kind of belongs. Uh, but but uh, yeah. Now, I mean, why was it why was it banned? Was it because he was making like medical claims that weren't yes. supported by the FDA? Yeah. Pretty much that that was the gist. Uh-huh. Um, but there's and, so many things that do that. Oh why, yeah, why him? No, and and like banning books, regardless of the claims. I mean, so what? You, you know, it, that, yeah, then treat it like books, fiction. I mean, not exactly cool. I, honestly, for a that's lot of people, slippery slope right there. Yeah, I mean, then ban the Bible. Like that's making medical claims that are you know completely outlandish. You know, the idea that uh, if you walk into a river, suddenly you're going to get healed or something. Uh, I mean, you know, all this wild stuff. And well, there's, you know, for, unfortunately, while there is an objective truth, there is an objective reality for a lot of people, you know, fiction and nonfiction is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> so, and, and most books don't get banned for that. So, OK, here's how here are the top 10 tips that Emily has for telling real science from pseudoscience. Number one, what's the source? Is the person or entity making claims with genuine expertise in what they're claiming, or are they hawking on behalf of someone else? Are they part of a distributed marketing scam? Do they use, for example, a website or magazine or newspaper ad that's made to look sciencey or newsy when it's really one giant advertisement meant to make you think it's journalism? Now, this can apply to a lot more than medical claims. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's native advertising in everything now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll let you keep going because I wonder if there's one I'm, I'm wondering if it's on the list. Okay. Uh, what is the agenda? <laughs> Number two, you must know this. You must know this to consider any information in context. Everything has an agenda. That's my little addition. <laughs> in a scientific paper, look at the funding sources. Oh, well, that's funny that she says that because one conflict of interest that nobody ever considers is that all academic science basically is funded by the government and you are a scientist oh yeah i'm a, I'm a former i don't you are a phd work in science anymore as in i don't do western blots all day thank goodness uh <laughs> it was just that things would go wrong and it was very frustrating yeah but you're often. still but anyway i i do science writing yeah um you're still ankle but deep. i'm not doing wet lab stuff experiments all day but i have a phd and i did that for five years right on so anyway um all science is funded by the government and yeah. they have their own agenda just like any organization right yeah absolutely um you know the or go ahead I, yeah like i mean i knew breast cancer researchers who got grants from the department of defense which is more aptly named the Department of War. What yeah. were they doing? Getting like That's why? Weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and it definitely changes like what the scientists study. It it may not you know, they may be presenting the claims in a way that's like, okay, well, how could it affect the outcome of the study? Maybe it didn't affect the outcome of the study, but it did affect what was studied. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It affected the questions they asked. Right. So yeah, definitely follow the money is always a good question to ask. Yeah. I mean, look for the incentives. Like, I, th- I think that's that, yeah, that's very Bono, important. Who benefits from this? Yeah. The agenda one that might hit on what what I think is one that a lot of people miss. And that is that like a lot of these like science websites. And I mean, you know, I don't want to name names. Uh, I mean, fizz.org or uh, I, yeah, not, not names. <laughs> I don't know. But a lot of these sites like they run on you need to click on on their link, you know, on their post mm-hmm. and you need to go to their website. That's how they make money. And I really have a hard time believing 
that somehow new science is happening worthy of 20 stories a day. Like, like I, I question, you know, that a lot of these reports either are absolutely meaningless or they're very, like they're at such a theoretical stage to be again, meaningless. So many times in science journalism, so-called the results of studies get completely like put through the ringer and just miss just ending up with a completely different conclusion than the actual researchers made. Right. Case in point, I was just listening to last week uh, Dan Savage's podcast, and he was talking about this study that came out where it was like, it was some psychological researcher, and he was like this geeky ap- academic, right? And he's mm-hmm. doing this study about personality traits and friendship with ex-partners, like right. people who are basically friends with their ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends. And what, you know, who... What personality traits are associated with being friends with an ex? And the conclusion he came to was something like some, you know, some people who are psychopaths or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. who lack empathy and are users basically are friends with their exes for reasons because they because they want something for their exes from their exes. Sure. Like whether it be their connections, tapping into their social network or maybe sexual access to keep fucking their ex or whatever. Sure. Um, but then somehow that conclusion got twisted around to say that, like, to be reported in the mainstream media as, hey, if you, if you know someone who's friends with their ex, they must be a psychopath. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Which is totally not what the researcher <laughs> actually said. So, yeah, Dan was uh, freaking out about that. And he actually called the real the, the lead author of the study and the guy confirmed that, no, indeed, that was not what he meant. But No, right on. <laughs> Anyway, um, back to this article here. If you're reading a non-scientific anything, remain extremely skeptical. I would say if you're looking, if you're reading a scientific anything, still remain skeptical. Be skeptical of everything. What does the person or entity making the claim get out of it? Does it look like they're telling? Does it look like they're telling you you have something wrong with you that you didn't realize existed, and then offering to sell you something to fix your problem? I'm reminded of the douche solution commercials of my youth. <laughs> The douche solution. I don't remember those. Not that I would have paid oh, attention. Oh, but. I do. Oh, my God. I mean, well, this is basically just the whole body shaming directed at yeah, women. Sure. Or, yeah, sure. Or there's like, there's this commercial I remember for for razors, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was Sleeping Beauty, okay? She's lying down on the bed. She's been pricked by the spinning wheel or something like that, and she's she's asleep. She's lying on the bed. And the prince is about to come kiss her and wake her up. Okay. Right? But then she realizes that she forgot to shave her legs while she was in a coma. <gasps> <laughs> and she's like, oh my God. And she wakes up. My dear like, God in heaven. Good thing I have this razor to shave my legs. And then she shaves her legs. She's like, okay, now I can go back to sleep. Oh. It is so stupid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. Fortunately, like leg shaving isn't a scientific principle. Uh, but <laughs> I can't tell you how many times when I was a younger woman and I didn't have as much experience or knowledge, I can't tell you how many times I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to like sleep with this person, but I didn't shave my legs. They might, they might find out that I'm a mammal <laughs> and I have hair on my body. Oh my God. I mean, to say nothing of the fact that that used to be the sign of, of a sex worker. Like shaved legs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that used to be like the thing. Like if, you know, you'd almost 
for your, you know, to, to be certain of a woman's chastity, you'd want to make sure she had a forest on her legs. I mean that in the nicest way, uh, you know, but whatever history or life goes on. Um, so anyway, she's talking, she says, I'm reminded of the douche solution commercials of my youth in which a young woman confides in her mother that sometimes she just doesn't feel fresh. <laughs> then suddenly millions of women watching that commercial were mentally analyzing their level of freshness down there and pondering whether or not to purchase Summer's Eve. And by the way, douching, it has fallen out of vogue now, but it, yeah, it used to be a thing. Mm-hmm. They used to actually tell you that you should wash the inside of your vagina with some kind of detergent, which is probably the worst thing you could do because it kills off all the good bacteria. Right. <sighs> Not to mention we don't need it. Anyway, um, that's a pet peeve of mine. Number three, what kind of language does it use? Does it use emotion words or a lot of exclamation points or language that sounds highly technical? Amino acids, enzymes, nucleic acids. (laughs) I got the best one for you. What? Quantum. Oh, anytime someone goes to quantum anything. Anytime. They're trying to make themselves sound smarter than you so you won't ask questions. Yeah, be very skeptical anytime something starts to use And usually, the word often, unless it's like an actual quantum physicist, it's usually followed by bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, or jargony that is really meaningless in a therapeutic or scientific sense. If you're not sure, take a term and Google it, or ask a scientist if you can find one. Sometimes an amino acid is just an amino acid. <laughs> be on the lookout for scienciness. As Albert Einstein once pointed out, if you can't explain explain something simply you don't understand it well that's a great quote yeah if you can't explain it to like a eight-year-old or something yeah if peddlers feel like they have to toss in a bunch of jargony science terms to make you think that they're the real thing they probably don't know what they're talking about either four does it involve testimonials (laughs) oh yeah because a testimonial is basically just you know a personal an anecdotal example it's not a study or anything like that um, and usually when they don't have actual data, they put in testimonials because that's what they do have. Right. Um, are there claims of exclusivity? People have been practicing science and medicine for thousands of years. Millions of people are currently doing it. Typically, new findings arise out of existing knowledge and involve the contributions of many, many people. It's quite rare. In fact, I can't think of an example that a new therapy or an invention is something completely novel without a solid existing scientific background to explain how it works. Or that one person suddenly just figures it out. (laughs) And it certainly wouldn't appear just on one night on an infomercial. (laughs) Also, watch for terms like proprietary and secret. These terms signal that the invention, intervention and offer has likely... What? These terms signal that the intervention on offer has likely not been exposed to the light of scientific critique. Yeah. Now, or is there more? There, There are five more, but we probably need to move on because... Um, I actually have another article. What do you think? Should we do the, yeah, let's do this. We'll save the other article for next time. Anyway. Okay. Um, the other article, by the way, just to promote it for next time is called your brain is a jerk. How your brain is sabotaging your fat loss goals. <laughs> and this is about cognitive biases and how they apply to eating, which I think is really interesting. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll definitely delve into that next week. Okay, number six. Is there mention of a conspiracy of some kind? (laughs) Claims such as doctors don't want you to know or the government has been hiding this information for years are extremely dubious. Why wouldn't the millions of doctors in the world want you to know something that might improve your health? Well, I kind of disagree with that one because doctors have incentives too, right? 
And certainly pharmaceutical companies are incentivized to produce drugs that don't cure diseases like antibiotics, you know, that you take once and then you're cured. They have incentives, whether they're even aware of them or not Mm -hmm. is another question, but they have incentives to make blockbuster drugs that are popular, treat common conditions, and that you have to take for the rest of your life to manage your condition but not cure it. Right. Yeah. And and also, you know, like I'm reminded of what, there's a product uh, called IsoHeat, which is meant for gas tanks. It's uh, dry gas. Okay, okay. That you pour. Like, you know, if you're. I've never heard of this. Do they not want you to know about it? No, 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 no. That, that's the one they want you to know about. What they don't <laughs> want you to know is that. And it, cause it costs like two, three dollars, uh, you know, for a little can and, you know, keeps, uh, you know, in the winter, it keeps your engine going. Okay. But, um, what they don't want you to know is that really it's just methanol. And you could, oh. and for, for 80 cents, you could buy a bottle of methanol and pour it into your gas tank and it would do the same damn thing. Okay. Well, you know, when you keep give the gas it a fancy from... name, I mean, right. you're paying for the brand experience. Right. right. But there is somewhat <laughs> of a conspiracy to not let you know. You know, that, 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 yeah. that, like, I mean, because what, what could happen is, is the company that sells methanol could say also works for, you know, keeping your, your gas tank going in the, in the winter. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? But, but that, that doesn't happen. So to some degree, I mean, I guess it depends on the definition of the word conspiracy or, you know, what, what one thinks of it that is. But anyway, go ahead. Inform yourself about chemistry, folks. There you go. <laughs> Especially organic chemistry. You know, organic chemistry was the most hated class. For so many people I knew in college, you probably took it in college if you went to college and went into any kind of biological field, and you probably hated it. And, you know, organic chemistry was challenging, but I loved it. I aced my organic chemistry class. And I I think I was an asshole and kind of wrecked the curve, actually, (laughs) because I I loved the class. I thought, I I think maybe my teacher, I, I don't know, I mean... Nothing creepy ever happened, but I think he really liked the fact that I liked organic chemistry so much. <laughs> but anyway, well, he was be, a cool guy. Well, is, my understanding is that orga- like chemistry used to be like the field before you know computers took over. Like chemistry was everything in chemistry science. Chemistry is everything. It's life. Right. It's so cool. I right. mean, but the thing is, if you know enough about chemistry, organic chemistry even inorganic, but organic chemistry is the chemistry of life and biology. So methanol, you know, wood alcohol, right, comes from trees, can come from plants. If you know methanol can be used as a fuel additive, then you could just buy some methanol and use that. If you know that um, you don't have to buy a shampoo that has phosphatidylcholine in it because phosphatidylcholine is found in egg yolks and you could put egg yolks on your hair and have the same effect, Yeah, then you can save yourself a lot of money. So, hey, chemistry pays off. Yeah, I, I I really wish there was more people interested in chemistry. I, I agree. I'm interested in chemistry, baby. Woo. Why don't we make some of it later after the show? Sounds good. <laughs> okay, number seven. Does it involve a multitude of seemingly unrelated disorders? Does it involve assertions of widespread damage to many body systems or assertions of widespread therapeutic benefit to many body systems or a spectrum of unrelated disorders? For example, claims that a specific intervention will cure cancer, allergies, ADHD, and autism. And I'm not making that up, she says, are frankly irrational. Eight, is there a money trail or a passionate belief involved, like people who write books? Nine, were real scientific processes involved? Did they actually do studies? And 10, is there any expertise? Well, I think it bottom lines to what are the incentives? Yep. Look at the incentives 
And that that's really what all 10 are about. Everybody's got an agenda. Be skeptical. Be safe out there. Listener questions coming up. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour. Did you miss us? <laughs> this we is were getting gone for old. so long. We're back. You know, we're on episode eight of season two, Brian. We're probably going to do like 20 episodes in a season, I'm guessing, because that's what we did on season one. And why not? It's a good Do we number. take a break? I haven't decided yet. I okay. Don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll take a break. <laughs> maybe we'll try to keep building up our buffer so that we can take a break, but it doesn't look to our listeners like we took a break. Well, you know, just just real quick, like a lot of people say that, oh, you you know, you got to do a podcast every week. And I mean, I even tell that to people, you know, you got to be out there consistent. But then there's like podcasts like, I don't know, these popular ones like Criminal or Thrilling Adventure Hour or something. Never heard of them. And well, right. But apparently <laughs> Who are those people, I, I don't know. But apparently everybody else listens to them. But then everybody else watches Game of Wait, Thrones. Do you so mean Serial? Oh, maybe it's Serial, not Criminal. <laughs> See, I don't fucking know. <laughs> because I was serious when I said I'd never heard of criminal because it's not criminal, it's serial. All right. Well, I know I got thrilling adventure hour, right? <laughs> but anyway, these 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 shows take like years off, you know, and nobody forgets about it. I mean, so I I don't Yeah. I don't know that I And TV shows, I mean, yeah. yeah you might not see the next season for another year. Right. Speaking of being skeptical. Yes. Like Really, I I am very skeptical of all the marketing advice that gets pushed out there. Like, oh, do do live video on Facebook. It's like, why? Because it's a new feature that came out or because it's actually something that gets you numbers. And I just I don't buy all the bullshit. But anyway, yeah, you know, all these people who are making a living on telling you how to make money on the Internet. And meanwhile, they're making money on off the Internet off of you by telling you how to make money on the Internet off of other people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Like, I think anything that they talk about is always at least like six months behind. Because at first, yes. like when I first tuned in in like maybe 2011 or 12, everybody was talking about Kindle. You have to write a Kindle book. You have to write an ebook. Right. That's the thing. That's the big thing. You can make, I made $10,000 a month writing Kindle books. I don't even write the books myself. I hire a virtual assistant to do the research and I hire this person to format the ebook and I blah, blah, blah. And now I make $10,000 a month. Oh yeah, well I make 100000 a month making ebooks. <laughs> and then suddenly everybody stopped talking about e- ebooks and then they started talking about, oh, you got to do an online course. Now it's you got to have an online course. Yeah, no. Oh, it, I made $10,000 a month doing online courses. And now here's how you can too with my special website and my special um, formula for making courses that sell. Well, and, and then it was email lists. Oh, you got to build your list. Here's how to make a profitable landing page, how to do A-B split testing. Here's how to make an email. doesn't matter what you say on your email list. As long as you come across as authentic, people will buy shit from you. Well, that, that's that's where the skepticism needs to come in, because you need to say, wait a minute, nobody's telling me that I actually just need to make something great, like something good and useful. No, nobody's telling you that. Right. They're all trying to beat each other with how much money they made that month. Yeah. And it, how much little they worked or whatever. Yeah, I, I think I, I hate that kind of shit. I, I really, really do. You know, I, it's uh, It seems just self-aggrandizing. Like yeah. I don't think a lot of those people actually want to help anybody. They just want to go on some podcast and say oh yeah i made ten thousand bucks a month with my jerking off on my email even though you had to spend nine thousand of it to make it every month oh well that's that's the thing about um what's that podcast entrepreneur on fire john lee dennis not to shit all over him but you know he he has claimed that i and 
forgive me if I get the numbers wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this was it, that he's claimed that he made a million dollars a month on his podcast Mm -hmm. just from being a podcaster, which as someone who has been podcasting for nearly a decade, that's laughable. But anyway, he spent, he, I think it was he a may year. have made a million dollars in revenue. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was a year. Yeah, I think it was in a year. Okay. So that's not as outlandish. But anyway, it's still pretty outlandish. So he claimed to have made a million dollars from his podcast. And that may be so, but that's his revenue. That's not his profit. He spent 950000 on advertising. Right. So he so only he made really 50000 You know, or, Right. Which is still pretty great for podcasting, but right. like the the narrative is bullshit. You yeah, know? it's it's things are not always what they seem, kids. Right. But anyway, all um. right. So do we have listener questions? We've been we do. We have we have listener questions, and this is exciting because we haven't been doing too many listener questions yet on Sex and Science Hour because we just kind of got the ball rolling again. But now we're starting to get listener questions. So yay! If you want to send us a, a question, you can always email us at show at sexandsciencehour.com and that'll go to both of us, right? So, you ready for this, Brian? Let's do it. Your first listener question. So, Pop in my cherry. <laughs> Brian, do you think vibrators and other sex toys are healthy for a good sex life? Yes. You do? I think... Okay, that would make you kind of a hypocrite. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you don't use them yourself well what's i mean it's okay i I guess i wasn't thinking of a sex life as like a single person right um no i i don't care for them i mean it's a pretty broad question right yeah i mean but i know there's guys that like butt plugs when Mm -hmm. they're masturbating and well rock and roll i mean if if you like i don't i mean it's it's advanced way beyond butt plugs there's like prostate stimulators you can get there's oh of course the fleshlight those are just male sex toys and then of course there's a multitude of things for women dildos vibrators strap-ons weird egg things weird rocker things (laughs) i mean was it was the question is it required no the question is are they healthy for a good sex life and you know Honestly, to me, a good sex life is what feels good to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, different strokes, different folks. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> if if you if what you like includes sex toys, especially if you don't maybe don't have a partner right now or you don't won't don't want a partner or whatever, um if you're flying solo, then yeah, sex toys can be fun. They can allow you to do things that you couldn't normally do with just your hand. Yeah, and and let's be clear, you know, the the show started off with uh, you know some ancient history. Well, I'll lay a little more on you. One of the, one of the very first pyramids in Brian's butt. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like I say, I don't care for any. Let's any, consult Google Earth. Yeah, I I don't, <laughs> I don't care for any 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 sex toys uh, for myself anyway, um, but. Sex toys are one of the very first tools that you find historically that humans ever made, uh, you know, dildos of all different materials and all this. Uh, so yeah. they've, they've been used for a very long time. They're as natural as any other any other tool that that humans have ever used. Yeah, um, absolutely. People have been using them for a while. Um because humans like novel experiences. They like to, you know, like have have fun and try new things. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there are things that you can do with a partner, but you don't always have access to a partner. There are things that you can maybe can't do with one partner, right? You need more than one, right? So you can use a little uh, toy to help you out. I will say this, especially for women, 
And sometimes for men, too, I guess, if they like vibrating sex toys. But especially for women, some women have this problem where they get almost like addicted to vibrators, not addicted, but like they get desensitized to them so that they can basically only orgasm if they have a vibrator. And then vibrators do this thing where they they desensitize the nerve. There's like a big nerve that goes in the clitoris or the penis and that has nerve endings so that Mm -hmm. it feels good when you rub it. Right. But those nerve endings can actually get desensitized through the stimulation of a like a vibrating thing. And so what happens after a while is you just kind of go numb. And that's bad if you're trying to be sensitive and have orgasms. So one thing you can do to avoid that is use um, different types of toys. There's a there's a a toy called the Erosolator that oscillates, not vibrates. It's different and it doesn't like desensitize those nerve endings. So right. that's one option. Another option is not to use vibrating toys. But if you're hooked on vibration, you can slowly decrease it, or you can go cold turkey and you can just do sort of a neural reset. But you can't let yourself. This might be kind of a fun game. <laughs> you can't let yourself come. You have to like just get so desperate that. <laughs> You and you don't use the vibrator, and then one day, you know, it'll click into place and you won't need it anymore. Well, that's what I was wondering is can you resensitize? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you can resensitize. The other thing, too, is that you know, people need to get over, and I'm not saying the emailer has this problem, I'm just saying in general, people need to get over the idea that sex is penis and vagina. Uh, oh, yeah, like it's so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, sex is connection, it's deep connection. Okay, and I don't mean deep as in... Is it always? What if you're doing, like, sex with yourself? Well, even then you're getting in touch with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes it can just be rub, rub, feels good. There you go. Sure, yeah, that's fine. But I'm saying... spasm, yeah. (laughs) Right, but I'm saying that, like, uh, you know, your partner, I mean, you know, even if you got so used to where you need a vibrator or something, as long as your partner is still there, a part of it, that's still sex. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the definition of sex, definitely, I think we could stand to expand it because people do get fixated on this idea. Like there's definitely this idea in culture of like, oh, losing your virginity, man. It's like the like the biggest deal. Like, oh, I'm going to get laid by a chick and that's going to be like the end all be all, man. You know, it's not. (laughs) I don't know where that bro voice came from. I don't know. But it's really not like there's a lot more. There's so many sexual milestones that you can have if you've if you're just new at sex and you are just first exploring it. And and that they're all different. I mean, what if you're like a gold star gay and you've never had sex with somebody? You've never had heterosexual sex. Are you are you a virgin? I mean, what's a gold star gay? Some of the things a gold star gay is somebody who's never had heterosexual sexual contact. Oh, okay. Like. If you're a Got guy, yeah. you've you've never slept with a woman. A right. woman. If you're a woman, you've never fucked a guy. Okay. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, no, definitely not. Um, virginity is just like a ridiculous concept that kind of commodifies like female sexuality. And, sure. and there's all this stuff like wrapped up in it. But the, the point is, there's such a diversity of human experience of sexual experiences that humans can have, and. You know, a good sex life is whatever defines good to you. And novelty is part of the thing, is part of something that humans crave and need. And when you combine novelty and sex, you know, often it's a winner. Or you just learn what you like and what you don't like, and that's a win too. Oh, I will say this. Fleshlights. Um, 
Brian, you're not a big fan of sex toys, and you really no, don't not, use not, them. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind using them on, you know, say a you know female partner or whatever. Uh, but for like guys, for for me personally, I'm not a fan. Right, um, but I have known some people who very much enjoyed uh, flashlights or similar toys. But I want to say that the in, the person who invented the flashlight is a is like a, some kind of a sadistic former cop. Mm-hmm. He got in deep shit because he choked a bunch of people that he arrested and he beat them up. And, you know, he did these ho- he basically tortured a bunch of people. And then somehow he got out of policing and he invented the flashlight. And <laughs> uh, now, although there are definitely knockoffs, you know, um, you could be supporting basically that kind of person. So if you ca- if you're like an ethical porn consumer or whatever, if, if you're an consider- ethical consumer. Yeah, like you may want to just story. look into, um, you know, what's <laughs> where your dollars are going if you're, you're purchasing sex toys. So, um, yeah, I think that covers that question. Now we have a, a, a bigger doozy. Oh um, do you have anything else to add on the topic of sex toys? No, no, I think I got it out. I mean, just my main point is, is that, you know, it, sex is about some kind of, you know, connection or dropping of walls or whatever and beyond that i mean it's it's whatever ends up working out for you (laughs) cool and if you want to buy sex toys on amazon and be on our after show stuff that sex and science hour.com right on (laughs) okay so this person says are you still both are you both still believers of polyamory Oh, boy. Or do you think with age, it is inevitable that most people who previously liked polyamory eventually just settle into monogamy? What do you think, Brian? Does everybody (laughs) basically become a monogamous old fart as they age? (laughs) That's what it sounds like. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. Uh, Yeah, I'm... Okay, so first off, because I don't think we've ever talked about it in season two. No, we haven't. We might have some new listeners. In our past, we've... You know, we've identified as polyamorous. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm confused. I'm poly confused. I don't know what to call myself. <laughs> well, it becomes an open question is that like, if you're not in a polyamorous relationship, are you still polyamorous? Yes, because someone's still bisexual if they're not, if they don't have one of each, you know, okay. as a partner, right? <laughs> right. So then if you had successful polyamorous relationships in the past, um, then you're still technically polyamorous. Um, I would say if you think of it as an orientation, then yeah, you'd be, you would be polyamorously oriented for your whole life. Yeah. I mean, well, that becomes like a whole other question. Like some people say that polyamory is a genetic trait, like that it's not. So do you think, Brian, do you think it's an orientation like being gay, straight or in between? Can you, uh, can you, can you be more oriented towards polyamory, monogamy or somewhere in between? I I don't I don't want to buy into like the idea that that it's genetic or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, who I, cares if it's genetic or environmental? Do you think it's an orientation? I guess I'll say yes. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, this this gets into such funny territory, uh, you know. But I mean, I I have a hard time deciding on whether or not like what's the difference between like someone that I actually want to fall in love with. In my opinion, that person should be your best friend as well, or a best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so then where are the lines drawn between friends and lovers? (laughs) Right. Well, you have some friends that maybe there's a sexual component or, 
you know, you're romantically or sexually or both attracted to them. Uh huh. But then you have some friends where there's no none of that kind of attraction, just platonic attraction, right? Right. I mean, I, yeah, I'm just saying it's it is up to you. It is ultimately a choice. If you if you want to have multiple partners, have multiple partners. If you don't, you don't. I, I don't. Well, see, I think the person's asking. Because everybody wants to know, are we polyamorous? Because if we are, there's a chance, however remote, that one day they could meet us and they could fuck us, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why everybody wants to know. And let me just say right now. Well, I don't think that emailer was the, asking that. But go no, ahead. I don't yeah. think that's why the emailer was asking. Right. But I think that there are people listening who are like, hmm, let's see what they say. Yes. Because there might be a chance. Yeah. Well, let I wasn't even say, addressing that yet. Chances are slim to none, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the chance is, is exceedingly remote. It gets better if you're a woman, for me. <laughs> right. But it's very, very unlikely and really not looking for any other guys besides Brian. But anyway, the reason I said I'm poly confused is because what I'm really a big fan of is defining your relationships on your own terms, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of polyamorous people say. Um, in practice, I think, you know, monogamy has... I have critiques of monogamy, which is the cultural default, right? It's what yes. you see in all the Disney movies growing up is the one true love. There's the one for everybody. And you're supposed to live happily ever after. No, that's bullshit. I don't think everybody has one soulmate. You know, we have a lot of potential matches that we could have. Mm-hmm. And we try to find them as best we can. And life circumstances work out. And it, we, you know, relationships happen, right? And sometimes they last until one or both die, sometimes they don't, right? (laughs) Sometimes they stop before that. Um, I don't really believe that there's like just one out there for everybody. There's a lot of good potential matches. And also, um, people cheat, you know? Some people have real trouble with monogamy. And people get bored. Sure. When they're with the same person. I mean, could could you imagine if you really like the novelty of new partners? Mm hmm some people do some people don't but if you really like the novelty of new partners can you imagine how hard it would be to only like for the next 50 60 70 years to never have sex with anybody else some people even consider it like cheating to watch porn or to you know like think of someone else in a sexual way to lust in your heart or whatever so i mean i have criticisms of monogamy and not to mention that like Culture writes the script for you. You don't get to decide with your partner often, or most people don't don't take the initiative to do this, to decide with their partner, hey, this is what cheating means to us, right? This is something I would be okay with. This is something I would not be okay with that you do with somebody else. Um, it's It's like kind of just assumed that like when you get to a certain point in your relationship with somebody, you're exclusive, even if you don't talk about it. And then it becomes a horrible, bad, evil thing if they... X with somebody else. Tr- X means talk, flirt, text, date, sex, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? And <laughs> I don't know. That's that's kind of just a little weird. Um, and most people never talk about it and never think that they could do something different. But you can do something different. You can do anything you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, kind of the point to me, if you're in an intimate relationship with someone, is that you should talk about that stuff and... Think about how it fits in with your values. Like, what kind of relationship do you want to have? 
Maybe you're okay with some level of flirting or interaction with other people. Maybe you like to have threesomes every once in a while, right? Yeah. Maybe you're maybe you would like to have a sister wife, right? Sure, right. <laughs> maybe you would like to have a quad, you know, where you there's two couples and they live together and their people are fucking other people and maybe you want to be a swinger. Like you can do anything you want. <laughs> and we should get to define our relationships on our own terms. Having said that, you know, it it sounds like, you know, maybe if I say something like that, I would be super wild. But quite honestly, if you look at my and Brian's relationship, we're we act like mostly monogamous with each other. We really we are each other's main squeeze. We are life partners. We are best friends. We spend all day together. We really don't have as close emotionally or physically nearly um, a relationship with anybody else as we do with each other. Yeah. I mean, and then I guess that, that kind of dovetails nicely into the second part of the question, which is, do you think that, you know, eventually people just end up that way? No, uh, not necessarily. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's been people hetero couple, you know, like the swinger movement was really possible popular mm-hmm. in the 70s it's still popular yeah it, it got you know there was a little bit of a damper on it with aids and all that stuff but you know it's still going on there's still swinger parties and poly parties and all this stuff where yeah. people you know swap partners and have sex and group sex and stuff like that humans have always been doing that it's just not usually talked about because it's kind of taboo um i don't think everybody naturally settles into monogamy as they get older it might be harder to find other partners once you get older, right? When you're young and pretty, you hook up with someone and then you get older and suddenly you look in the mirror and you're not as attractive anymore. Well, you have trouble meeting other people, right? Yeah, it's, it's not only that, but I mean, as you get older, you know, the the amount of single people decreases. And that's not mm-hmm. because other people become, or well, I mean, it is kind of because they become monogamous, but I don't think they become monogamous. Maybe it might not be out of like 100% choice. It may come out of uh, some kind of cultural norm or more. Uh, it may come out of the fact that you had a kid with somebody or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just for a, for a variety of reasons, a lot of people become far less single as you get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one possible reason why people, why monogamy might seem to be more the norm as people get older, even if they're wild when they were, say, younger. Um, but I don't think that that somehow people just settle in because they're like, Okay, I'm not polyamorous anymore. Yeah, because they come to their senses and make peace with the system. Like right. I don't think that's what's going on. Right. And I'll, I will say this too: a lot of people who in their twenties, you know, have a lot of sexual partners or whatever, they're not necessarily calling themselves polyamorous, right? They're mm-hmm. just kind of experimenting and getting out there and having more than one partner. Yeah. Um. So there's that. What was I going to say? This well, is such a huge topic. Oh, okay. What I wanted to say was that what I think of polyamory is that often in practice, I I said my criticisms of monogamy, that a lot of times monogamy doesn't work in practice and that there's a high percentage of so-called monogamous people that cheat, right? Yeah. Cheating in marriages is like some 70% or something. A lot of marriages end in divorce. It doesn't always work out happily ever after. I I have a lot of the same criticisms of people who call themselves polyamorous too, which is why I'm hesitant to call myself that. Because what I've seen is that often people who call themselves polyamorous have a lot of short but shallow relationships and there's a ton of drama and a lot of people get hurt. Yeah. Or they they take on that moniker 
to get out of a terrible monogamous relationship that they're in. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's... Or to try to like avoid fixing the problems in that relationship and just kind of, oh, I'll just go over here, have some partners. And I don't think that's healthy. I mean, and it's true. Like I, I, I've, it's so rare for me to find, I mean, this is a problem why, or I'm not going to say this is the only reason, um, but like part of the reason, you know, we live a relatively monogamous life is because it's just so hard to find people that at least that I think, Oh yeah. I mean, and it is, it is my relationship or, you know, it is, it, it does have to do with me. I do get to judge whether or not a person, you know, gets to be a part of my life. Every individual gets to do that. And it's very difficult for me to find people that in my opinion, are mature enough, you know, to, to handle, you know, to, to get past like the petty jealousies and all this other stuff. Well, I, I don't really agree with that. I think, you know, being non-monogamous is not about never getting jealous. It's about how you handle jealousy if it comes up. Yeah. But I, I, but I really do agree, Brian, that, you know, it's hard enough to find basically one good partner (laughs) and to find one lasting stable relationship. And what I really want is to stay is stable relationships. Right. Okay. I, I would be open to having more than one at once, although it definitely is just takes up more bandwidth, right? You need to devote more time. Relationships take time and energy. And sometimes it can be hard enough to have a job and have a life and have one partner, let alone have more than one partner, right? Right. And it's also hard to find more than one person that you might want to be with, right? (laughs) Who's compatible enough and who you click with enough. Yeah. And also who lives near you and who you can be around, right? So, yeah, um, I think there's just some practical considerations right and that like we said the people who we know who are like yeah i'm polyamorous sometimes those are the people who have a lot of instability in their relationships not all like we know we definitely do know some people who are consider themselves poly and have been with multiple partners for over seven eight ten years sure you know and that's cool um but you know again those are they're kind of few and far between right yeah um, it poly people in general are few and far between. So those are some of the challenges with actually doing it. Having said that, I'm totally open to the idea that s- some people's hearts are big enough to have more than one love. And of course. multiple person relationships can totally work. They can work great for people, maybe at various times in their lives and maybe throughout their whole lives. Well, I'm totally open to that. I myself am bisexual and it's hard for me to picture just being with one one sex for the rest of my life, you know, Yeah, not to reduce you to your genitalia or anything like that. No, Brian. but I'll be but the men first. Men and women are just different. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit that women can deliver something sexually that men just, just can't. Yeah. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some quote unquote better man than I, that somehow knows how to deliver what a woman can deliver. But I don't <laughs> think so. There's just something there. There, there's a, there's a, uh, the love between two women is very special. Yeah, as and an it's eight, just different than the love between a man and woman, which is also special, but in a different way. Yeah, I remember the first time I was in a room and I saw two women. Uh, one of them was my girlfriend, you know, and, and two women getting it on together, and like, I, you know, I, I thought I was, I thought I pulled back the curtain on the wizard. You know, I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is wow, this is how they, this, this is, is how they feel. Like this the is what porn. they do. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing to watch. It's beautiful thing to see. Yeah, uh, it is. It's so it's really... very different. I know I can't deliver that, you know, to, to a woman. Uh, so I have no problem. I mean, I'm not bisexual, you know, but, uh, but I totally understand. 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a challenge, you know, because there's there is a stereotype that buys are not good or made for monogamy or whatever. And, um, you know, in some case, I know bisexual people who are perfectly happy in monogamous relationships. Mm -hmm. I am so happy with you, Brian. I'm mostly happy with you. But also at the same time, I don't really like the idea of never, ever, ever doing anything with a woman ever again. Right. And the beautiful thing about our relationship is we we don't think of each other as something that we own, you know? Not at all. Yeah. Um we it's we kind of like, you know, give each other this freedom. And I think if I did meet a woman that I really connected with, I don't know if I'd want her to be my main squeeze and life partner and live with us or anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we hook up once in a while, maybe she has a boyfriend too, and that's all she wants as well. And if that happened, that'd be great, I think. Well, you know, I think that leads to another question. Do, or, or do we have any more questions for this? Uh, no, I only I only did those two. We have more listener questions, but we'll, we'll get to them next week. Yeah, well, I want to ask some questions on this then. Yeah. Like on where you're going there. I mean, what do you think is kind of the, you know, in a polyamorous relationship? And I think we answered, just real quick, I think we answered, you know, kind of the, the main question that, that the person was asking, which is... Uh, you know, do you think people just naturally fall into monogamy later on in life? Mm -hmm. um, no, I don't think so. And if that is some kind of trend, I think it's more culturally reinforced uh, than it is something that mm. people actually want to do. Um, but yeah, so my question is like, what do you think is like, is there a magic number in poly in, in, in you know in a polyamorous relationship? Like, we how many people work best? Um, so here's my thought. Um, this is one out of so many different possibilities because there could be so many different configurations. But um, one really common thing when a lot of people start out and they say, oh, we're going to open our relationship. It's usually like a heterosexual couple, a guy and a girl, girls bisexual. And they're like, wouldn't it be great if we could find another bisexual woman and she's equally attracted to both of us and she likes both and she wants to fuck both of us and date both of us. But she doesn't like encroach on her existing relationship. That's called a unicorn because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> There's this great website that I wanted to bring up called Unicorns Are Us. And I'll answer your question too, Brian. Yeah. I think maybe a quad might be the best. Okay. Thing. Like if I were thinking about something that would involve me, like maybe another heterosexual couple. And yeah, then they could all maybe like live together. I don't know. I think also like when... um. When you talk about parenting, this is nothing to do with sex, just like life stuff, life partnership. Um, you know, a lot of people raise kids with their extended families, with grandparents, aunts mm -hmm. and uncles and stuff like that. And sometimes I think that it's very it's definitely hard to be a single parent. I think it's even hard to be a double parent. You know, sometimes you just don't have enough to give um, in terms of parenting energy and resources. And maybe like humans evolutionarily. um kind of grew up in tribes, right? Where the, there were multiple adults that cared about them yep. and, and helped them become adults themselves. So I don't know. Um, are four parents better than two? Maybe. <laughs> oh, I think so. I, in some cases, as long as there's stability and there's love. You know, I'm not saying there's the anything. Family. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with single parenting with, you know, with two people parenting. Um, I'm just saying that, that I would think that the more love to go around, the better. Uh, but that that's that's just an opinion. You know, there's also these these studies with um, siblings where they say if you have an odd number, then two of them always gang up on one. 
Oh, I, I've seen this. Yeah, I think so, that happens. Yeah, so I wonder if it's that way with polyamorous configurations too, where if there's three people, two of them will always gang up on one. It definitely seems like that's the case with the unicorn thing. Let me read you a little bit from this website. This is really entertaining. Sure. Hold on a second. All right, there's this website called Unicorns Are Us. It's unicorns-r-us.com. Okay. And um, this is a, a website about unicorns. What is a unicorn? A unicorn, according to the website, is a beautiful, of course, single, polyamorous woman willing to be sexually and romantically involved equally with both members of a couple in a closed relationship. The unicorn is expected to be with both of them and will not be allowed to have any other partners. This is one of the most sought-after arrangements when a couple new to polyamory looks to open their relationship. Couples usually discover such a woman is almost impossible to find. This website explains why. <laughs> and and the reasons why are because people have these expectations of, like, they're going to find a hot, available, bi woman who's equally attracted to both of them and, like, put all these rules on her, like, she can't have any other partners, and she can only date both of them, and she has to love both of them equally, and she can only have sex with one of them with the other one's there, and blah, 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 we were a package deal, and she can't, like, get between their relationship. Oh, well, that that's getting, yeah, that, that, especially those later ones, that's getting ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, but that's what some people expect. Yeah, you're not going to find that. And and if there if there is this dynamic where it's like an existing couple and they're bringing in like another woman, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that works great for some people, but there are a lot of people who have really ex- unrealistic expectations on that. So that's why I think maybe, maybe, you know, in that situation, a quad shape would work better. I'm going to disagree. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, like the history of menage a trois is is remarkable mm. like in tell fact, me more about that you've been looking into this yeah you? well i mean the like the amount and and generally it's one man to two women like that that's that's most of the evidence that you find um but like it, it reads like a who's who of history of people that they were engaged in menage a trois where everyone but, who's anyone <laughs> well kind of i mean yeah uh carl young uh, uh lord byron uh mary shelley the person who wrote frankenstein uh, I mean, I'm I'm just you know I'm going with with some of the 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 older you know figures in history that have done it, uh, but there's there's many many more. I, I mean, just all all kinds of people that have been engaged in that. I I can't, I can't imagine why two two women like yeah it gets crazy when like okay there's two people who they add in another woman and then they start laying down ground rules on her. No, that doesn't exist. That someone's going to accept that. That's bullshit. Uh, but I can't see why a woman wouldn't, you know, go up to a couple and say, hey, I think you guys are great. Uh, you know, I'd love to to be a part of your relationship. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it just it just definitely seems like there's a little bit of a power imbalance there. Yeah, we've I don't know. Gotten, but we, we I guarantee you we've had people come up to us and they might not have said it, but they wanted it. <laughs> Women. I'll take your word for that. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Well, you can write in and show in sex and science show at sexandsciencehour.com. Let us know what you think. Are you a unicorn? Would you like to be a unicorn? Not that I'm offering for us necessarily, yeah. but <laughs> just for science. Tell us what what your thoughts are and what you like. And um, I think we rambled on a lot, but the point is, yeah, I think everybody should get to define their own relationships, whatever that means to them. Whatever not, numbers. Not really against yeah. uh, polyamory or non-monogamy, but um, in practice, we're pretty monogamous. 
More coming up on the after show. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. It's a good thing we have that long um, music that Gives intro. Gives us a little break. I leave that time. I take that time to um, log into our Amazon account. Ah, to I see. see. What we, I see. To see what we have to talk about, what's on the agenda. Now, I do want to say real quick that if you have any questions on anything we've said in any episode of Sex and Science Hour, of course, email show at sexandsciencehour.com. Right and on. If you love what we said, well, then go shop at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Thank you, Brian. That was good. You should do voiceover. Yeah, I should do a podcast. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, do we got our list? We have the list. The we list. sure do. Okay. So, this is going to be a little tricky because we've already talked about a few things on here. Um, did we say we found out who the Hans Hermann Hoppe buyer was? We yeah, did. We did. We and about that. he is also the person who bought these Rainex wiper blades, which are coming up again for me uh-huh. okay. the whole last month. Um, but first of all, thank you. I want to say a heartfelt thanks to everybody who shops through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com because, um, you know, it's entertainment for us and it's also money for us, which helps us keep doing the show. I have big plans for Sex and Science Hour. I actually, what I would really like to start doing, and I will once we start getting up there, really in the revenue um, from our Amazon link is I want to do sex and science hour retreat weekends. It will start off with you and me, Brian, where we go away. We get an Airbnb somewhere, you okay. know, we'll do it on the cheap at first. Yes. We'll go to take a weekend off, go somewhere and record like five shows in the weekend ah. and do fun things too, but also yeah. do like five shows. And then we would, we just release them over the next month. I love it. I love it too. I yeah. think this will be so much fun. Uh, um, another thing I want to do is have like listener parties when we go to conferences or whatever, or when we go to a, a, a city, we'll, you know, we'll have a meetup. Yeah. I think meetups would be great. Um, I'm totally on board for that. But all that, you know, we, we need money. So, well, you know, I do want to say also, I also want to, and this is kind of tied in with my own show, Sovereign Tech, but, um, I have a Amazon wish list, mm-hmm. and you can go to, uh, uh, wishlist.zog.ninja. That's the website. That's oh, the URL. Yeah. And uh, people have donated equipment that directly helps out Sex and Science Hour. Uh, through that, recently, uh, some people have made some very generous uh, uh, purchases, you know, on that wishlist for equipment and all that. So that helps out too. Um, but using stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, very important. Uh, you, you know, that that's that's kind of the main thing you want to look at. But I just want to say thank you to those that 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 really have are helping out with these shows uh, by by donating that way as well. Right on. And you've been getting some really cool stuff lately. Oh, phenomenal. From stuff. your wish list. Yeah. Like- <laughs> uh, I just got a new laptop. I mean, it, it 
it costs under two hundred bucks. Stuff, but... I think you maybe you added it and you're like, oh, it's a wish list. Maybe no one will ever buy it, but this will be fun to have. But then someone bought it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the Klingon not... robe and the well, Klingon well, jean jacket. Yeah, I mean that that stuff was yeah, kind of for the giggles, you know. But I mean, but it was but nice, it's awesome. It's it's I'm really glad nice. They bought you that but stuff. It, yeah, I mean, someone you know purchased a, a monitor recently. I mean, all this stuff is going to go to great use because uh, we are trying to build a second studio mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get out a lot more content, you know, for for all kinds of things. So. So, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're sharing one studio here and you're a professional voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, you know, we, when we need to get some certain things done, it'd be nice if we had a second studio to be able to knock that out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's the next project on the list. And I think we'll get there, you know, yeah. we're making good progress towards that. I love being a voice actor, by the way. It's just so awesome. Every day I look at you and I smile and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm here. This is so <laughs> you much do. fun. <laughs> you do. It's, it's great. I mean, but you work your ass off. I mean, that, I that's the thing. A lot of people want to be voice actors, but they don't understand. I got to see it personally. I'm mm. very proud of you. Thank you. And, and, like, and it, it's an honor, and I mean this, it's an honor and a privilege to see somebody build themselves up the way you did uh, and the way you have and the way you still are. But it is hard ass fucking work. And you've had the nights where you've been, I mean, you know, I hope you don't mind me saying this. We can cut it out if you don't, if you don't like it. <laughs> but I, there's nights where you're crying oh, because yeah. you're working so fucking hard. The deadlines were there. You're up till 6 a.m., something like that. <laughs> I, I, no. Well, there's only been like twice where I've been up till 6 a.m. It's but still a there's truth. There's been lots of times where I've been up till 2 a.m. Yeah, it, but it's a truth. <laughs> and, and, not everybody is is able to, and I'm not saying people should have to go through that sort of thing. I'm just saying not everybody can can handle that. Uh, and you deserve a lot of credit. And I think to be a great voice actor, those nights happen. Those days happen. All that stuff kind of happens. They happen whenever you own your own business, right? Yep. And yeah. Anytime you're, you're you know, whatever word you I'm a solopreneur. It all right. depends on me. <laughs> yeah. Even though I, I guess I have a few people I work with now for who do help me with my editing and eventually I'm going to, but you had to, to get to that point. Yeah. You had to do the hard work, you know, and, and, and it's really, it's, it's amazing what you've done. Um, but, thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate that. Yeah. But I'm so glad even when I have those late nights and stuff and when I get really swamped with client stuff, I'm so grateful that I'm able to do this and I'm, I love it. I'm so, I'm glad that I did it every day. Yeah. It's awesome that it's fun, but it definitely took a lot of work to get to that. You're, yeah. you know, or, and, yeah. So what did what did people get? Let's have oh, some fun. Oh boy, here. what a what an introduction. Okay. So somebody got a a skirt and it's called oh. the She's Cool Junior Plus Size Turn Up Maxi Skirt. And it's one of those okay. skirts where it looks like you like it has um a fold over, you know what I mean? Like the like the skirt wrap? ladies, you'll know what I mean. It's no, it's not a wrap. It's a it's a skirt, it's like a stretchy skirt, but then you fold over the top, like the the waistline, you okay. know what I mean? So it looks like it's maybe a belt or something in the same matching fabric, but it's really just like you fold the top piece over. Oh. Well, that's yeah. good. Great. I have I have a bunch of those skirts that like the same style and I really like them. So Yeah. Um I don't know what it doesn't say what uh design they got, but they have like black and then they have like a stripey color. Hopefully they went with black. Yeah. Very cool. And it was pretty cheap too or well, not cheap but affordable, I would say. Yeah. You know, not like it wasn't like a million dollar skirt, you know, it was yeah. like a good good price. So yeah, cool. Thank well, you. Well, it's great that uh We have a woman shopping through our I was just going to say that. I mean, not that men men, <laughs> well, actually, men choose maybe, to wear that. Right, you're right. May, and may that's not be. cool. Rock and roll. 
you know. Um, but <laughs> you shouldn't uh, have said anything about that shit. Well, no. I, well, I was going to say it before you did, so don't worry about it. But, <laughs> but yeah, it is great to have uh, potentially to have uh, we have women listeners. Right on. Okay, so somebody bought. I have no idea what this does. It's a Milton S one fifty three rubber tip blow gun. Wow. Somebody's. <laughs> this is not a sex toy. No, blowgun is with darts. You know, um, maybe somebody's training to be a ninja. Oh, is it that? Yeah, you know. I don't think it is. It says, "For use where leak-proof connection is required when blowing out fluid lines." Oh, never mind. Sorry, I was thinking somebody was like. Uh, oh, so like you put it in a hose and you, yeah. br- you b- spray air through it so that it blows out the water so yeah, that it doesn't something freeze. Like that. All right. Ah, uh, somebody must be winterizing their RV or something. That's my guess. It's a good guess. Or maybe they're just a kinky motherfucker and they're putting air in their urethra. That's something. much better than somebody <laughs> buying a blowgun and shooting darts. All I can think of is Ace Ventura. It's like, oh, God. Ten darts you, is too much. You love yeah, that yeah. movie. Uh, both of them are great. You yeah. love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've got a bunch of books. Um, have you ever heard of Boynton on Board? Nope. It looks like a kid's book. And we have we had, did have a listener tell us that he was buying some kid's books for his daughters oh, that, may right. show, that may show up. So um, Boynton on Board is a board book. It's like it looks like one of those books where the pages are like made out of cardboard. Yeah. OK. It's good to have texture for kids particularly. Or maybe I'm completely off base, but I don't know what a board book is. I don't have any kids, okay? okay? So, yeah. um <laughs> don't don't beat up on me too much, but um there's a book called Happy Hippo Angry Duck, a book of moods. Well, that sounds cool cuz you could help teach kids about their feelings, right? Absolutely. To identify their feelings. I wish I had more education about feelings when I was growing up. Me too. Um Snuggle Puppy and then there's Snuggle Puppy, a little love song also by Sandra Boynton. That's so cute. That's great. <laughs> I had this book. I wonder if it still exists. I had this book when I was a kid called Pat the Bunny. Did I ever talk about Pat the Bunny on here? No. Oh, my God. Pat the Bunny was such a cool book because it was one of those cardboard books with like the big, like the uh, thick pages. So, you know, kids kind of like if they turn the page with like a paperback book, they could easily just rip it out because sometimes they're not very coordinated. Mm-hmm. So... This is one of those books with the big cardboard pages that you can't really destroy that easily. And it, within the pages, there were embedded like pieces of felt and it would be like a picture. Ah. It would be like a bunny. But then you could actually pat the bunny. I had an Ewok book like this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah. Back How the, old were you? Uh, oof. Like, I don't know, four, five, maybe something like that. It was when the Ewok cartoon was a big deal. So that would have been like 86, 87. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, same thing where like everything that, that wicket was going through the, you know, the forest of the moon of Endor and, uh, like found all these different creatures and you could actually touch and see what they felt like. It was, there was fuzzy, there was like a rubbery feel. There was, it was pretty awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. It's a Pat the Bunny Wookiee version. Ewok. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's also Bugs Galore. That's another board book. The fuck is a board book? I'm guessing it's the pay, it's the cardboard. Yeah. Maybe it's just the tough books. That's great. But it's called Bugs Galore. Okay. Bugs, bugs, bugs galore. Creep, I, slither, slink, and squirm. Scurry, fly. Ew, a worm. I think it's great <laughs> if the book is like designed to get kids used to insects. Like, I think the fear of insects, while there might be some evolutionary like standard for or like like basis for it, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's great if you can get over that. 
Why? So you can eat bugs? Well, either eat them or just like not be like, ooh, you know what I mean? Like some of the, like spiders do a genuinely yeah. wonderful service for the world. Uh, it's true. You know, I found a spider today. I was putting my plants outside. I have a lot of house plants and I found a spider and I, I just calmly let him walk and I put him outside. Yeah. With the I, plant. Yeah. I mean, they, they do something anyway. They, yeah, they do. They eat other bugs. And they're, I mean, I don't, I really don't mind spiders. You know what gets me? It's the grubs. It's like the, the soft body oh, things. Oh, tasty. Ugh. I hear they taste like bacon from if you cook afraid. Them. If you cook them. You, you have to cook them, though. <laughs> but don't knock it till you They try. said they tasted like bacon-wrapped shrimp. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> have you had grubs? Uh, yeah. I did a little bivouac when I was in the military. Oh, anyway. boy. We won't talk about no, that. No, we will not. <laughs> Okay, so um, we already had, we talked about this already, but somebody had bought this Asus Zenfone Max. We found out who bought that. Yes. It was the Hans Hermann Hoppe guy, actually. So, no. Thank you. He did? Didn't he say that? No, I think somebody else oh, bought it. Oh, it was somebody else. It okay, somebody I'm, else. I'm messing this all up. Yeah, that's all right. Did we talk about the Beat It in-ear headphones? Yeah, I think we yep. did. Oh, those are like Bluetooth headphones. Yeah, we totally did talk about that. <sighs> I'm getting my stuff all confused. What do you want from me? So somebody bought, now this is interesting. Is this something you need if Apple steals your music like you talked about on your show, Brian? This is the Square Trade two-year MP3 accident protection plan. No, I think that's meant to protect an MP3 player or something. But who uses an MP3 player? Lots, I would. Really? Yeah, if I, if I could afford it, I would use... I. I actually really. Oh, there's our answer because somebody bought a SanDisk Clip Sport, eight gigabyte MP3 player. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Sweet, that's only thirty bucks, huh? I I love electronic. Remember when an iPad was like, or iPod was like three hundred bucks? Oh yeah, I love. I I love the iPod. I I, in fact, I didn't get rid of my last iPod until I moved to New Hampshire, which I guess was 2011. (laughs) Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, Yeah, I've never seen you with an iPod. I don't. uh, I just. I like it when devices don't connect to the internet. I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, also, <laughs> I think that the UI, particularly for the iPod, the circular using the wheel, the click wheel. Yeah. I think that's genius. I think you're going to see that come back someday um, as like the the interface of the future. Sweet. That's my, my opinion. I don't think touchscreens are going to last forever. But anyway. Hmm. I don't know. I have no opinion about this. I'm complete, I've never thought about it, honestly, but That's I'll take okay. your word for it. That's okay. I think about this stuff all the time. That's why I get laid. No. Oh, yes, ladies. Polyamory. Uh, hey. uh, yeah. You don't really want any poly partners, do you? I mean... No, right now. All right. Anyway, it's I, okay if you do later, but... No, no. Well, I, I am I am totally... I. Okay. Years ago, I lived a really, really <laughs> wild life. Like, I mean, it was insane. The Dragon Con stories I could tell alone. You still have a hangover and think you're Ric Flair I, <laughs> from that I, life. I do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if, if, if the right woman wanted to be with you, you know, and also wanted to be with me, I'm game for that. You know, like, I mean, I'm not saying I'd write that off. But it's not something I'm actively pursuing, you know? It's not something that, like, I... Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I kind of feel similar about that. Yeah. Like, I would like, I would love to have a girlfriend, but honestly, I have doubts about whether I really actually have time to devote to another relationship. And 
I'm not really actively looking yeah. for it. I mean, also, if she, if, you know, if there's a woman that just wanted to be with you, I'm totally cool with that. You know, like that's, that's awesome. That, that's I really fine and dandy. That. Yeah. Super uh, cool. You know, Thank they you. don't have to like me. So, so that's what I'm saying is that I'm not ambivalent. I mean, I, I guess that maybe that's the best Well, they term. have to like, for me, they well, would I, have they to like you. they better respect me. Not, yeah. Not like, not want to fuck you, but definitely to like you and get along with you. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just not going to work. Yeah. You're... Just respect my existence. You yeah. know, I, I mean, because I've certainly encountered people who wanted to get with you. That yeah. That's the thing. There's, me. There have been guys that have been interested in right. me who are just kind of just really rude to brian and that's yeah. not the way to my heart you know i right i would if you want like if you want to get closer to me let's all be friends right yeah and i mean you don't have to love me you know but just i i do exist <laughs> how could no how could someone not love you brian <sighs> i don't know i'll that's tell you point. these that's people they've they've got poor taste anyway they don't love you anyway um <laughs> right so um Somebody got some stash tea, double spice, black chai. Now, I am a little bit of a tea connoisseur. I've actually tried that that very tea. I've tried stash. They're, Earl, they're double Earl Grey. It's great. Yeah. St- you know, honestly, stash is not my favorite brand of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am not the hugest fan of it. Numi is your top uh, Numi is a good tea, and I like yogi teas, and I like um, traditional medicinals, yeah. which just has like herbal tea. Republic of Tea is good. Or wait, traditional, is it, yeah, I think it's traditional medicinals. Republic of Tea, yeah, they've got the high caffeine teas that you like. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if you can get those on Amazon. Maybe you can. No, you can, because I've bought them, but I think they were from third parties. But anyway, um, this person got some stash tea. Stash tea is made in Oregon. Um did we ever talk about how Celestial Seasonings got raided on this on this show? I don't know no, if we did. I don't think so. There's another tea company called Celestial Seasonings. You've probably seen them. They make like the Sleepy Time tea with the teddy bear on the front. Yeah, it's they very make, popular. Uh, they also make uh, Morning Thunder. Oh, Morning Thunder mate, yeah. right? Yeah, good stuff. Or mate? How do you how do you say? Depends it? Depends if you're actually in South America or if you're in America. <laughs> Because well, we're gringos, so we can say it however we, that's we right. want, and it'll always be wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, Celestial Seasonings um, was making this tea with stevia, and stevia is an herb that is sweet tasting. It's a natural sweetener. That it's a, a sugar lot of people replacement. Use. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a natural sweetener, and it's non caloric. Um, and Celestial Seasonings made this tea, and it was called something like Sweet Leaf or something. And because they called it sweet leaf and stevia was in there, but it was not approved by the FDA as a sweetener. They Mm. have to approve artificial sweeteners. Get this. The FDA raided their facilities and seized a bunch of tea. This was like in 2005. I know. Ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah. They had to pull that kind of tea. Wow. Probably set them back years. They were in Colorado or something. I mean, where's the queen? I don't know. That's not grounds for a tea party. I don't know what is. Anyway, I hope you enjoy your chai. Um, It's kosher. (laughs) There's a big K on the front. See, we, you know, this is, okay, let's talk this out on the show. Brian, what would it take for you to get certified as one of those dudes who stands over the food and blesses it as a rabbi and, and makes it kosher? Okay. All right. So <laughs> it's more than just waving a magic wand and growing out your sideburns, right? No, that is about what you do, but <laughs> you, you you have to have certain credentials. Uh-huh. Uh and so and much of those credentials are genetic or at least they need to 
appear on paper as such. Uh Um, and yeah, I know guys that, or I, at least I know one guy that does this for a living where he makes everything kosher and he actually works for a major shopping, uh, or, uh, grocery store chain in the Northeast of the United States. Um, and hold on a second. Okay. May have crashed. Nope. We're good. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Um, so yeah, he, he, he is a rabbi and he, you know, pretty much just like kind of, you know, says a blessing, waves his hands and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. thus everything that goes through that, 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 that factory can be labeled as kosher. Um, now to do that though, you have to like, depending on, on which certification, cause there's a bunch of different certifications. There's not just one, like, you know, there's the, the, right. There's, there's the, the K, yep, there's the, the circle S- U, yep. uh, there's, there's a bunch of different ones and they each represent different organizations. Some of them fall into different spectrums on, and Judaism, you know, there's conservative Judaism, reform Judaism, and, uh, uh you know, orthodoxy, uh-huh. you know, orthodox uh, Judaism. And if it's like an Orthodox group, as I understand it, you have to be, you, you don't, you have to be a Levite. Okay. Which is, which is a tribe of, or a line. Right. Right. Well, Levite. Yeah. That, that's one of the, that's like the 13th tribe. You know, uh-huh. there's the 12 tribes of, of Israel. The, the Levites were supposed to be the original priestly class. Uh, and not only that though, you actually need to be a Kohen, you need to be a Kohenim, which is a special group within Le, Le, the Levites, which means you're, if you're a Kohenim, you're a direct descendant of Aaron. Okay. So you've got to have that going for you too. And I happen to be such like I, I, I am a Kohenim, uh, you know, as, as far as Judaism Congratulations. goes. Yeah. It means absolutely nothing to me, but, <laughs> but there it is. Uh, so that, yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would have to do that. I'd have to start growing out. So some basically hair. you could do that. You could yeah, be the six guy Six figures who's... a year. These guys make for doing practically nothing. Uh, it, it's really, here we are broke ass podcasters. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I would have to, yeah, I'd have to, you know, become a rabbi and then I'd have to, but I mean, otherwise, you know, I have the. the, You'd have to go through the initiation ritual, wouldn't you? I've done the hard part. (laughs) What Uh, was the hard part? Getting your dick chopped? No, just like being a Kohenim. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) That wasn't that hard, actually. You didn't choose that. It's a roll of the dice. I mean, like like the odds of you ending up being a Kohenim as compared to not are are slim. (laughs) So. Somebody got some MCT oil. Oh, that's healthy. Is that kosher? It comes from coconuts, I think. MCT oil is the stuff that people make bulletproof coffee with. Yeah. I mean, they do other things with it, but MCT oil is, is interesting. It's almost, it almost like reminds me of jet fuel. I have some. I, I don't know what to do with it, so I try to sneak it into like baked like paleo brownies and shit that I make. Yeah. <laughs> But I have a huge jar of it. Actually, our friend Max Pito gave it to me because he was moving. Yeah. And he didn't, um, or he wanted to get rid of it. And I was like, oh, I'll take it. Does it work as a lube? That is something I have not tested. Would you like to try it with me after yeah. the show? Yeah, we'll, we'll get back All with right. everybody on this one for science. It might even make our brains healthier, Brian. So we better really make sure to like Let's work it in really, on. Really, right. uh, really carefully. Get on a waterbed <laughs> and a gallon of MCT oil. That's going to be a good time. <laughs> MCT, right. coconut oil seriously is a good lube um, if you're not looking to. Yes. It, supposedly it's not compatible with latex condoms. However, I saw a blog post which was very scientific where they tested it by applying different oils to latex condoms. And they, they found that the coconut oil actually didn't really make a difference, but you can always get around that by using polyurethane condoms. There it is. 
Um, you, how about we got one more? Uh, there's there's two more. Okay. Is that okay? Let's do two more. Um, the thing about MCT oil is people put it in their coffee, but MCT medium chain triglycerides, they don't behave like other fats, says the Amazon description, but they really don't. They're absorbed differently. Um, long chain fatty acids have to be packed into chylomicrons, which are like these fat globules that can get absorbed with lipoproteins mm. from your intestines. MCTs, medium chain triglycerides, are short enough to just be absorbed directly without being packed into chylomicrons. So there's this whole thing about like it doesn't raise your triglycerides or it, it may help you make ketones, which is encourages fat burning. Um, paleo people love it. So have fun with your MCT oil. Um, it definitely reminds me of jet fuel for some reason, not because it has a smell or anything, just uh, something the about is, the consistency. Yeah. It doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. It tastes incredibly neutral to me. But anyway, so somebody got a Kindle Paperwhite e-reader with a six-inch display. Oh, damn. Yeah. Right That's pretty awesome. Um, it looks really nice. It has a picture of a guy in a hammock in a tree reading a book on his Kindle Paperwhite. I love e-readers. Just like the yeah. MP3 player. People would say, why would you want an e-reader? You, you don't... did this whole thing about getting on the internet with one, too. Oh, well, there's a, yeah, there's a trick you can do with, with yeah. Kindle. If you have a 3G Kindle, and I don't know if this is still true with new models of it. Mm -hmm. I have one, and like, but it's an older model, uh, Paperwhite. And like, because Amazon stopped promoting the fact, what you used to be able to do is, is you got free AT&T uh, 3G wireless. Yeah. Okay, through, with your Kindle. And with that, with that free one, with, you know, with the 3G, you're supposed to only be able to shop on Amazon and buy books and download books that you bought, not ones that you, like that you put in your Amazon cloud drive. And you were supposed to be able to, add, to, to, um, to get to Wikipedia. Ah, but that's all you were supposed to be able to do with the 3G connection with <laughs> the free of 3G. They can't. Uh, well, why do that? Now I, I figured out, or well, I didn't figure it out. A bunch of people figured out how to, how to get onto normal websites through the 3G free connection, which was awesome. And you did it by, it was this Twitter trick that you had to pull off. Um, but anyway, they no longer advertise with their new paper whites, the fact that you can go to Wikipedia on the 3G. So uh -oh. I wonder if, <laughs> if the, all that has been kind of scrapped. Like 3G paper whites still are a thing, but I wonder if you can really only do Amazon now. So huh. there yeah, you go. Yeah, that's... That's interesting. Well, maybe the person who got that can give us a report on whether they can get on the internet. Yeah. But if not, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, no big deal. Would that be a book report? No, I hope not. <laughs> God, I hope not. After a fashion. <laughs> they also got a charger for it. Probably the same person, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is we have a Honeywell 5-2-day huh? Um, programmable thermostat. For electric baseboard heaters. Huh, it nice. looks like this is not an IoT device, which, thank goodness. Good. Um, it doesn't say anything about smart thermostat connects to the internet and makes your home a target for hacking. <laughs> so when it gets cold all of a sudden or hot all of a sudden, um, and then there's a 14-year-old kid, Russian kid outside snickering... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I pictured someone hacking someone's thermostat, but yeah. it's probably not real. Well, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Brian. I was going to say, this speaks to the, this whole list speaks to the intelligence of our, of our listenership. 
because their all these devices, you know, largely don't connect to the inter- internet or they're one trick ponies. Yeah, there you go, uh, folks. The only reason you would want to connect to the internet would be to download Sex and Science Hour. Pretty much. That's the only reason you need to get online. Yeah, I, social media is bullshit. Fluff. Uh, websites, you can't trust them for anything. I mean, Hulk Hogan <laughs> versus Gawker. Uh, yeah. But anyway. So that's it. That We're at the end of our items for this week. That was a hell of a list. Yeah, that was a hell of a list. So stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Thank you so much for using that. It's really cool to see what people are getting. Nothing outrageously sexy yet, except that maybe that air blower. I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, that might have been something. Well, the thermostat, I mean, that might be to turn up the heat. It might. (laughs) Or it might be to turn down the heat, so you have to get up and snuggle close. Ooh, that's my favorite. I like it cold. (laughs) Yeah. Sex is a dish From the guy who has talked about (laughs) moving to Greenland. I can't wait. We're doing it. All right. That's it for this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful time. And uh, I don't know. How do how do we say goodbye, Brian? It's so hard. It's so hard to just, say Just stop. At the, it's so hard. Just stop because I'm telling you that's how it is. Okay. It's so hard. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see you next time. <laughs> this has been Sex and Science Ooh. Hour. Check out our website. Tell a friend about our show if you like it. Thank you for those who share our show. And uh, we'll be back at you next Friday. 